Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others won't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. Got it. Craig White, live from your office. How the devil are you? Rusty, it's good to see you, mate. I remember you long, 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 long time ago when I met you for the first time when I was working at Wasps. Well, that would be a long time ago. It was a long time ago, mate. I would have been at Birmingham then, so that was yeah. probably like 12, 13 years ago, maybe 14 years ago. Oof, could have been more than, even more than that. Is it? Oh, my days. I reckon <clears throat> it was about 2000... And fucking hell, it could have even been 2003, you know. Oh, wow. Well, you've, you've aged less than me. <laughs> and well done, you. So this, all, this, all this stuff you're currently doing must be having a good impact on your, like, your outward look as well. I just work less than a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I live in nature. That's it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, something I have discovered, and we're going to go, like, Nature is high impact for me on my well-being. Like, and it's like oceans, trees. Like, feel like I'm going back to my roots a little bit. Hundred percent. If me and you took a rugby club over tomorrow and we had a billion quid to spend on a training ground, mate, I'd build it near the beach with mountains in the background, and yeah, it's just conducive to to creativity and creative thinking. I mean, I often say to teams and organisations, look, if you want to creatively think you've got to get offside you've got to get away from the distractions of the normal and energetics of the environment and get into nature it sounds simple but you know for some reason people don't do it enough for me yeah i agree i'm with you on that uh well let's start from the beginning let's well i mean we'll start from wherever you want to start really so the craig white the story so far what's what's what does it include What's the theme here, what we're talking about? Um, well, I think it's love, um, which is a small word, but quite a big word and something that I guess is probably banded around a bit now in sports, not necessarily in my humble opinion, like understood what it is and what it isn't. But So let's talk about love. But yeah, well, you can start at the end or you can start at the beginning. I'm, I'm cool. Okay. Um... Wow, if you'd have if you'd have mentioned the word love to me within professional sports like 20 years ago, I would have just I'd have just ignored you. I would have 
thought you were a sissy, you know, I would have, I would have dismissed it and I would have just said, hey, mate, we've got a fucking job to do here. We don't need none of that love stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's because of my conditioning and, 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 and what we're taught about love and the romantic, romantic part of love. And, um, but in recent times, I use it a lot. Um, I started to use this word love more than ever in my work with the Uruguay team, especially a year out before the World Cup in, in 2019. Um, for, for, you know, on one hand, I guess because I've, I, I felt more of myself and I love myself more. On the other hand, I was with a Latin culture. There was a lot more acceptance and, and, and touch and, and it just felt necessary to use that word because I think it's underused. I think teams shy away from it, but ultimately, ultimately, it's all about love for me. It's all about love. And and when I've worked with the Uruguay team, and even when I've worked with European teams um, in recent times, I often talk about the polarity of love in in high-performing teams. Sometimes I call it a high-polarity of brotherhood as well, high-polarity of culture. It's the same thing. And, And I guess from... I guess when I, if I go into an organisation, I'm actually looking at this polarity. And on one hand, there's the polarity of of, of the stuff that we're, we're taught is love. You know, the what I call the support, the positive stuff, the banter, the celebration, the positive feedback, all that kind of juicy stuff. But on the other side, which is also love for me, is the side of challenge and drive and constructive feedback and and standards and discipline and in my work with the Uruguay team for example it was evident to me that when I kind of went into the organization on this side it was abundant it was absolutely fucking abundant I've never seen a team love each other so much in terms of touch and high fives and walking around, sometimes holding hands even. And, and it was like they were, they were brothers, but it was only one side of the equation. What was missing was this side, which is the challenge side. It's the eye of the tiger. It's that capacity to look at your mate or look at your, your brother in the eye and say, do you know what? Because I love you, I'm going to fucking push you to the limit. I'm vying for your position and I'm going to compete with you to the fucking death. And if you lower your standards, I'm going to overtake you because I love you. And only one of us is going to get the number nine shirt, but we're both going to be better blokes because of it. So I guess that's the way I look at love, Rusty. It works for me. I love that polarity. And and I've, I've also seen teams who have too much of this. There's too much challenge. It's all fucking challenge and the players get pissed off and there's not enough of that. So I think... The good guy, the good coaches are often Gats is good at this. Warren Gatlin's good at this, kind of stepping back and really feel. He probably doesn't know he does it, but feeling into that polarity of of, of the whole culture of the organisation. But for me, I, I, it's love. It's love. We don't go into work to experience pain, do it? You know, we want to experience love. Nice. How how would you define it? Would you have a definition? Because again, it's like I, I, way I would think about it is like I love my kids. Like I would do anything for them, um, but I also like want to help them be the best they can be, and like anything I can do to support them or 
you know, or challenge them or like that's that's going to happen. And sometimes I get really, the other thing that I think about with it is like often get really emotional with the people, you know, both ways with the people you love the most. So sometimes you can get quite heated with those people, but it's only because you love them. Of course. Of course it is. <laughs> um, you just asked me a question, how would you define it? Again, if you'd have asked me 20 years ago when I was super, super in my logical mind, I would have tried to define it. But for me, it's impossible. And I don't know about you, mate, but whenever I've been in teams that are successful, you can't define it. It's a feeling. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, we could talk, we could call it, we could call this the polarity of trust, the polarity of love, the polarity of brotherhood, the polarity of family, the polarity of relationships. But ultimately, when things are going well and aligned, it's a feeling. It's like fucking hell. I feel it's in my gut. Wow. It, it, it doesn't need a definition for me. Good answer, by the way. And I'm going to yeah. jump onto that in a bit and the feeling and. I've just, like, you've set me off on loads of little tangents. One was, like, you initially started with, like, I felt like I love myself more. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm assuming that's your start point for most of this is kind of, like, being kind to yourself, understanding yourself, who I am. And, and I know, obviously, you're doing a, a lot of stuff where you're, it looks like you're getting into nature with some, some people. Um, and, and I guess that's the start point, is it? Yeah, thank, I mean, thanks for pulling me back to that. It, it, I mean, it is. I'm 50 now, and again, I can answer it as a 50-year-old. Um, and and looking back over my life, I mean, I was so fucking damn driven, and I still am to an extent. Um, but but the drive that I had when I was younger was it was almost a drive this way, Rusty. It was a drive training my fucking balls off sometimes two times a day in work the first before anybody got else got in at 5:30 making sure that I was last in because I was I was I was driving this way I was driving this way for qualifications for trophies for reputation for um a, phys- a physique um and and, and 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 I never stopped little did I know that underneath that there was a lot of insecurities and there wasn't and I didn't really love myself you know, I might have loved the warrior part of me that was only one one part of me, but I didn't love the other parts of me. And I'm, I'm, I know now that, you know, for us to be whole, we have to become multidimensional. We have to, be, have to become multi-archetypal. You know, we're not only one dimension. You know, there's a warrior in us. There's a king in us. There's a lover in us. There's a, there's a spiritual part of us that, you know, there's so many parts of us. And growing up, we only show one because we only think it's safe to show one. So I guess me loving myself on my journey, especially over the last 12, 13 years, it's been accessing the other parts of myself that as a kid I suppressed because where I grew up, it wasn't acceptable to show those parts. Where I grew up, Rusty, it was only acceptable to show the warrior. And because I was short, my mum conditioned me to be that warrior. There was times where she'd, I'd get picked on at school and she'd take me around to the guy's house and knock on the door and say, hey, come out here now and have a fight with our Craig, you know? So it was just so heavily, um, I was just so heavily conditioned to be a warrior because my mum tried to keep me safe. But it was at the expense of the other parts of me, especially the the, the feminine part or the non-linear part, the non-structured part, the feeling part. And my journey, especially over the last 
12 years has, has been to learn how to feel. Because I've always been, a, I believe, a really, really fucking good coach. But I used to be a very logical, process-driven, vision-driven, purpose-driven coach who could, could connect on an empathic level with players that were similar to him, but didn't always connect with players that were different to him. So I've learned to do that. Um, who are you thinking of when you talk about the players that were different to you? So clearly, like, lots of the environments you've been in and your upbringing and fellow northerner, albeit a little bit taller than you, um, hang around in rugby, quite a masculine sport, Leicester Wasps, like two really strong dynasties that were probably built on quite a logical way of playing the game and actually the stuff you did it clearly had huge impact and I speak to lots of players that would like reference you lots but there must be some who are you thinking of when you said actually some people that weren't like me well when I was only the warrior I'd, I'd often get I'd often feel a resistance or some kind of internal trigger with anybody that didn't fit that picture so let's say, for example, in my younger days, you know, the typical grunter, you know, Julian White's of this world, I fucking love him. You know, we, we, we're mates, we connect, but um, I, I don't really want to mention too many names, but if there's, a, if there's a player that's, let's say, more feminine or more flowing or more feminine in the way he talks and the words he uses and the stories that he gets into, I would. I used to get triggered by those types, but now if there's a trigger, I actually see it as an opportunity for growth. But that's only because I've worked on myself. And the, the other ironic thing there is um, what I've realized, and I only realized it because I've worked on myself, I, I theorized it before, but never believed it is when I change on the inside, I see things differently. It's like when I, for example, get in touch with that feminine part of me, let's say, I see more of it in the environment. So it's all about self-work. It's all about self-awareness. It's all about self-development. You know, it never stops for me. And the more I do it, the more I show up in an environment. And the ironic thing is as well, the more I show more parts of myself, the more it gives permission for the guys in the organization to do that. I remember a specific time before the World Cup with Uruguay, we're on day one of pre-season and I've, I've put a, a protocol in place to do some team building over a series of 10 weeks with, with progressively deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper work in circles, getting really kind of straight and vulnerable with each other. And I remember presenting it to the coaching staff and I remember all of them said to me, <clears throat> mate, we're a bit worried about this. Are you sure about this? I don't think the guys are, are going to open up. And, and I said to them, look, fucking trust me. And of course, I'm in the, the, the start of the workshop. I'm showing up fully without any fears. I'm showing all parts of myself. I'm talking about love. And I'm giving permission to them to do the same. And the first session we did was fucking incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And the coaches at the end said to me, when can we do the next one? Yeah, mate, you're sending me off on that. I mean, again, I imagine the old, let's call him the old Craig. Um, he would have probably started pre been thinking about what testing are we going to do? What are we going to measure? Versus perhaps the new Craig thinks that love and brotherhood and connection. Again, I have this debate with lots of coaches, like the tradition is we start with, but I think we signal some stuff with how we start. 
So if we start on day one with bench press and squat, then we might think bench press and squats, we might signal that it's more important than some other stuff. And I guess the other thing I picked up on, and um, yeah, I think we see the world like not as it is, but as we are. So you're talking about like as you grow more, you you see more stuff, but it also gives probably greater connections to, between you and other people that may not otherwise have existed. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and you spoke a lot about working on it. And and I, and I guess, I, look, I'm, I would have thought you were like quite like this when I first met you, but maybe, maybe I was giving you permission. But what's the, like, what does that look like? Because it, if you think it like lots of people say to me, oh yeah, but you have this or you don't have it. You're born with it. Or like this guy can do this. I'm never going to be empathetic type stuff. Yeah. It sounds like it's, you feel like it's something you've worked on and well, you've actually developed. One, one million trillion, trillion percent. I mean, I think we're about to go deep here. So for me, it's very simple. You know, logic lives in the brain. You know, and we and you and I need logic if we're working with a rugby team. Fucking hell, we need logic. We need to be able to vroom, see the vision, see the road, roadway, create our mission statement, align everybody in, come back. Where are we now? Where do we need to go to? What's the gap? Steps in place. Review, preview, zoom. All right, but that's only half the picture. Like the other half is that empathic side, and for me, that that is the. The, the, the side that can really, really, really be developed. The only way to develop it is to get into your body. Now, what do I mean by that? So, I mean, at the very, very basic level, it's a quest of attention. You know what I mean? Attention is everything. It's absolutely everything. So if our attention is here all day long in logic, in logic, in logic, in logic, well, we ain't going to be empathic. And the more we get we're in our heads, the more we move away from that capacity to be empathic. So, so I've done a million different, what I call embodiment practices over the last 12 to 13 years. You know, I became a yoga teacher. If you're training to be a yoga teacher and you've done yoga training like I have, you have to keep bringing your attention back into the body. You have to keep bringing it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back to the breath. So over time, you develop that capacity to, 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 to reconnect with your body and, and, and the, divine, the, the intelligence of your body. You know, we have a brain here and we have a brain here and I've got, it's proven. So if you can get in touch with that brain and that brain, you, you switch that on, you're going to make better decisions. You're going to be more of a, of a, a balanced decision maker. Um, and some of the other stuff I've done, you know, visualization, body scanning, deep tissue massage, cold water therapy, you know, I, I, there's so many things that I've tried to do on myself because I wasn't empathic. I was just this fucking warrior that used to fucking slam the hammer. Um, so it's about getting in the, the home, the home of empathy is inside of your body. Now, if I sit in front of the England rugby staff and say that they won't understand it because they're trying to understand it with the logical mind, they probably think I'm fucking mad. Right. You can't, you can't understand it with your logical mind. It's like the retreats that I do. So I run retreats, uh, five-day retreats. With uh, you know, I created an organization called Men Without Masks. And the 25 of us on retreat for five days, no phone. And we're doing all this work, all this embodiment practice. And before it, they don't understand me. And they don't understand me at the start of it when I say to them, look, guys, 
we're going to get you out of your head and in your body. It's like, what do you mean in my fucking body? But at the end of it, every single one of them looks at me and says, now I get it. Now I get it. In the beginning, I theorized what you were talking about, but now my body feels it. So some of the work I'm moving into is in this kind of new, I guess, field of embodied leadership. You know, and to be honest, embodiment is just the end stage of learning, really. Nice. You've sent me off on again loads of uh, threads. First thing I thought was five days without my phone. I would bloody love that. Well, um, you need to get on it then. You, you and, you and Hask, Haskell's um, coming away. Hask, Haskell needs it. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, the second thing was like the yoga thing really spoke to me because I really struggle with the breathing bit and like being like aware of it, as you said, about awareness. And then the third thing was that I think people will kind of go, what's he talking about? Like is like there's a brain in the gut. And I guess, and I guess what you mean by that is like that, that your gut's often like a really good source of information, isn't it? Like that chemical reaction sometimes happens here before it happens here and tells you, all oh, right, like, this isn't good or I trust this person or I don't trust this person. Yeah, of course. I mean, the gut is our center of trust, really. Yeah. You, know, you know, our body, especially the gut brain, it's like a scanner in the airport. You know, every time you meet someone, especially someone new, it's like they're, they're walking through a scanner. And like, you know, and our heart is our intuitive center. There's loads of scientific research on this, by the way. Fucking loads. So that's only part of the picture, getting in touch with those other brains and, I mean, you know, there's so much, well, like, there's so much repressed potential in the body. There's so much repressed intelligence in the body because when we grow up, you know, we're taught to be a certain way. We're taught that's not okay and that's not okay and that's not okay. Be like that. And all the stuff that wasn't okay, it gets repressed and it doesn't move through us and it actually gets stuck in our tissues. You know, we have tension in the body. There's seven different belts of tension where we store some of the, hidden potential that was that was repressed away when we were kids so part of my role as a leader and teaching other leaders is not only the logical mission vision purpose stuff it's all this it's getting into the body it's it's allowing emotions to move through now you can't always do that with a rugby team because you can't always fucking get in touch with your emotions sometimes you've got to be on it you've got to be going into the battlefield so you know so it's a bit trickier with professional athletes um, but on my retreats, it, it, it's a space where there's no game at the weekend. Guys are just coming together because they want to go there. You know, they want to go there. They want to feel safe and they want to open up and allow those repressed emotions to move through them. And at the end of those repressed release of emotions is, is a sense of freedom. It's a sense of, of, of embodiment, a sense of empathy. And I know you've touched a bit upon some of the stuff you did with Uruguay, and I guess it is different because there's a test at the weekend. <coughs> like, not a test match, but you basically get tested. Um, they haven't necessarily chosen to be part of your activities. Um, but then I was, I remember when I went into sale, there was some of your stuff written on the board, like circles and I'm trying to remember it all, and affirmations and touching and I know you've already touched on that and there's I think there's a huge amount of research around like teams that touch and oh, yeah. like yeah. their, their, the outcomes and now we might argue that 
like they're winning more, so they're touching more or whichever way around. But yeah, I'm curious, like, give me an example of some of the like activities that you actually uh, people are, and maybe some of the naysayers are going, oh, right. Well, one of the things I do, well, well, I, what I also do is I, I also, I've also built a curriculum for coaches. You know, the first stage of the curriculum is self-awareness. The second stage of the curriculum is interpersonal awareness and skill. And the third is team building. And within the interpersonal side, one of the things that I get them to do is they have to come up with 65 different ways to use touch in the training environment. You know, with different, you know, slap on the head, elbow, hip, hug, kick in the ass, flick, flick of the ear. Exactly. Because it's so fucking powerful. There's, again, there's so much research, especially in basketball, about this. And, um, just yeah. while you're saying that, can I just say, just to, because it's in my head, I was with a player the other day who's at a Prem club, and he said one of the things, so he's currently out of the 23. He said, one of the things it's allowed me to do is step back and look at how we react when things go well and when things don't go well in sessions. And he said, when I was in the session, I didn't have a clue. Mm. And now I step back, I'm like, wow, like we're missing some opportunities here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you coming in as a – I was thinking a little bit as well about like, do you prefer to be an independent? Do you prefer to be like into somewhere for like a really long period of time or come in or come out? I was curious about like, how you feel that works in your, in your role with this as well. Hey, will you tell everyone what you're up to at Core 37? Hi, Fletch. We're a teamwear brand based in the Northeast, and we're the sister company of Oddballs. We've got the largest sports sublimation factory in the UK, and we've produced for the biggest brands in Europe over the past seven years. But with Core 37, our in-house brand, you can now access those prices direct to the customer. Why would people use Core 37? Uh, if I was to pick three, Fletch, it would be our lead time of three to four weeks, our price, which is lower than anybody else in the industry, and the fact that we're made here in the UK. What's the stuff you're most proud of with Core 37? Uh, there's loads of stuff, but the, the key one for me would be working for a company that, that genuinely believes in its own mission statement, which is to produce performance sportswear at an affordable price. And then underpinning that is the people. Everybody who works here is involved in grassroots sport in some way. And so we generally care about what we're doing here. Fletch, why do you want to partner with Core 37? Uh, apart from the fact you're a Geordie, uh, great people, uh, lots of people involved in sport, really affordable and top quality. Thanks for joining us, Wilkie. Anyone who wants to find out more can go and have a play on their website at core-37.com or they can reach out directly to Tom at core-37.com. Yeah, that's a good question, a really good question. Well, I, I do like to have a sense of responsibility. I do like to be in charge of something. Um, you know, I am a control freak at the end of the day. Um, so, but I also now in my, in, in my career, I love working with underdogs. Like, I'm, 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 I don't know the next time when I can get over there, but... Um, I'm involved in helping Chile to qualify for the World Cup, which will be fucking phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal for a country like that. And I believe they can do it. Um, that really inspires me to create a piece of history. But I also am very drawn to the Latin cultures because touch is, is, is really welcome. You know, it's a very kinesthetic uh, part of the world. A very, and, and I like that. 
You know, I, I like that myself. So it's a, it's a win-win for me to go over there. And, and also it's a win-win for me because um, I can do things, Rusty, with a team like Chile and Uruguay. Maybe this is a limiting belief from me. I'll accept that. But I believe I can do things with Chile and Uruguay that I wouldn't be able to do with an England, for example. One, because there's not enough time, there's not enough developmental windows and, and there's high pressure. You know, so, so for me, working with Uruguay especially and a little bit with Fiji but, and, and Chile as well, it's, it's a blank canvas for me. I, they trust me and I can try new things. And it, it, it's a, it, it really is a, a culture where I can experiment and take risks. Yeah, they're probably at the right place for you. They're, like, they're at the right bus stop for you, aren't they? For sure. Like, they want to get on the Craig White bus versus there'll definitely be some people and some people might be listening going, like, really? Like, come on, mate. Like, tell me where to stand, what to call, what's going to happen. And I got, it got me thinking again, like, obviously you, you're in a lot of different environments and it's just something I'm curious about because I would have some views on this. Like, So when you go in, like, what's the stuff you're noticing? What's the stuff you're thinking? Right, okay, this is the stuff I'm going to pay attention to when I go into a, a new environment. Um, probably the first thing is, um, I mean, I mean, there is a difference as well between the national teams and, and clubs as well, but probably the first thing is just around communication. You know, how, how are they communicating? You know, how, how, how's the trust? You know, is, is, is there enough trust to challenge each other? Like, I think that's the first thing I look at. Um, but the other thing to say is, even in the work I've done with World Rugby over the last 10 years with tier two teams, uh, you know, especially Georgia and, and, and Uruguay, um, I'm still involved in SNC. And the reason I'm still involved in SNC is because I still believe that it's a fucking unbelievable way to develop culture and brotherhood and love. You know what I mean? The, the, the work within that, that department is is a real kind of important cog in the development of culture and i often talk about this when when i'm asked about how does snc build culture and you know always throughout my career i would always prescribe snc based on the, the psychological outcome of that session that's why i never did traditional interval running because you do traditional interval running and the guys say oh thanks a lot and they go and get ready they go and get changed but you do a session that involves pushing and pulling and getting off the floor and moving with maximum resistance and competition and problem solving and decision making. And at the end of it, guys are hugging each other and picking each other off the floor and walking into the dressing room like that. So it's it, if you if you know what you're doing and you step away from the SNC specific specialized theory, you can really build culture if, if it's all integrated. You just made me think about doing the log run. <clears throat> it was the most <clears throat> grueling and emotional um, fitness experience I had. Yeah. Um, it was exhausting. I went beyond, probably for about 300 yards, more than I thought I would, partly because I would. you don't want to let your teammates down and partly because they were dragging me along. And then at the end, that experience of actually we accomplished something, and I don't think we even won, to be honest. But like just finishing it was like remarkable. It's a it's a valid point, isn't it? Like often <clears throat> teams, you know, think that that's a head coach's responsibility, or like they'll they'll silo themselves off, and well, that's not part of our role. 
Whereas actually, and the other thing I was thinking about was like often like the 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 physios or the S and Cs are the the most trusted people in the organisation for the players. So those like conversations, those opportunities are like really high value opportunities, aren't they? And they spend the most time with the players, and they touch the players more than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I um, and then it was just, and I know you touched upon it, but kind of that that balance around love and like this, and and, and one of the things I wrote down while you're talking. So, straight you talked about like stretching support as an example, but also like standards is an interesting one for me because I've been in a couple of environments where I've got you know I'll generally design questions for people, and one of the questions is who's in charge of standards and why, mm-hmm. and I'll actually. So it might be, you know, your Uruguay example where it's quite like, I'm going to call it like happy clappy, but no one's in charge of standards. Yeah. And the other reality is that if coach becomes in charge of standards, that's suboptimal. Because if coach gets COVID and they're not in, then who's in charge of standards? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm sure it's not one or the other. I think it's uh, it's it's an integrate. It's, it's everyone's in charge of standards, really. Which yeah. also got me thinking again, like, Sorry, I'm going on a few tangents. You spoke about the trust to challenge. So do you feel like that's something that, because that, that's often something that gets in the way of this, like these two ends of this spectrum, isn't it? Like, well, I don't want to challenge the coach and actually yeah. I don't want to upset some players. And so we'll just let stuff be like, okay. Um, well, well on, on the su- subject of, of challenge and, and feeling safe enough to give constructive negative feedback I agree with you that you know to an extent you know we would love players to challenge the coaches more but I think what's more important than that Rusty is into player to player challenge because you and I know if you're if you're if you get feedback from four of your best players it's actually more powerful than getting feedback from a coach if four of your best players are saying hey Rusty fuck me man I don't know if you're aware of this but that's not going that well for you. That's not going that well for you. You usually fucking do that well. What's going on, mate? It's miles more powerful. But to develop that within an organisation, you do have to make sure that there's a level of safety. You have to model it. You have to rehearse it. You are, it feedback is a practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't spend enough time at Quinn's to have a massive effect, but in the short time that I was consulting last year, you know, we did some pretty cool stuff in circles. You know, I used to go down Monday and Tuesdays and, um, you know, one of the days would be kind of, you know, I'd see the academy in the morning, like about 16 hours in a circle. And then I'd see a leadership group later in the day. And there's like a few different circles that I was working with. And and we worked up to it, but, you know, we, we got to a level where I'll give you, there's lots of practices you can do to, to build this. But one of the things we did was like in one week within a circle, we'd give positive feedback. So if I'm a player... Um, I give permission for the other 10 players to give me positive feedback. And it might go something like this. We go around in a circle and um, each person might say, what I love about you is this, or what I love, what you've done well this week specifically is this. And then the next man goes, vroom, vroom. it's like a shower of feedback now. And then the week after you flip it. It's like, the place goes in the middle and then the circle around him could say something along the lines of this. Uh, Rusty, this week, what I need more from you 
is that, or Rusty, what I don't like about your performance at the moment is that, Rusty, specifically, I don't think you're doing well in this area. Vroom. It's, it's fucking powerful, mate. Again, two sides of love. One week, positive stuff. Next week, the, the, the trick is challenging stuff. But you, you've, you've got to model that. You can't just say, guys, we've got to give each other more negative feedback. There's a whole individual psychology from the day they were born around giving and receiving feedback. You know, it's, it's all based on our conditioning. Some of us hate to receive feedback because we've got insecurity on the deep level. We actually don't feel good enough. Some of us hate to give feedback because we tried giving feedback as a kid and we got shot down by mum, dad and teachers. So there's a whole psychological trauma around feedback. So be, building a feedback culture with a team requires slow steps and practice and modeling. You know, the first session in a preseason might be you give him one word feedback. Next week, you give him two words. Next week, you give him a sentence. It's, it's a journey, mate. It's a journey. You picked up loads of stuff there that I've written and <clears throat> just like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation around like, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's this. I've definitely, I've circled feeling a few times. <clears throat> I think it's about like, and sometimes that is gut and sometimes that's like preempting or pre-morteming stuff and actually making good decisions around today. Like this is, this is, we actually need a bit of like, bit more positive feedback around this environment or this person does or and then the other stuff I wrote like again circles is just an option for you isn't it like could be one-on-one could be like could be any kind of manner of it modeling it I think we sometimes assume people can do it um my experience is that the girls are better at it than the boys but I'm generalizing um and that often teenage boys are really good at taking the mickey out of each other. And we actually need to model it and demonstrate the conversation. And, and it's going to happen over time. The flip of that is, and I say this to lots of teams at the moment, imagine if everyone without judgment and in a trusting environment could give feedback to each other and receive it really well. Would that make you a better team? Like, you'd win more games. Like... If that's what you're bothered about, you'd win more games. And those are going to be skills that they're going to need for the rest of my life. And I'll give you a shout-out because Marcus is part of some of this stuff at Quinn's and was uh, and was singing your praises. Okay. And the peer-to-peer stuff is, is way more powerful. Like, often with coaches, I'm like, just don't forget, it's not just you to them. It's like, them to them is how we make that normal. Yeah. is important, isn't it? Of it is the key word, but the key word is is practice. I mean, for me, that's what mental training is, like mental training as opposed to physical training. A huge component of that is practicing how to communicate with each other, you know, non-verbally and verbally. Um, sometimes it happens by default, though. I remember being at Wasps and talking about those two sides of love or two sides of communication, two sides of relating, two sides of feedback. You know, within the staff, we definitely had that, especially myself, Warren and Sean Edwards, you know, I'd be in, in the physio, I'd be in meetings and one week Sean Edwards would be saying, "Wait, it, you're fucking brilliant. Keep going. The, the lads need you. Fuck, mate. We're going to win this championship because of you. And the week after, he's calling me a cunt. You know, so it, 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 it's with him, it's, it's definitely from a place of love and, want, and wants the best for me. 
But 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 by default, it was allowed. It was somehow allowed because I don't know. Warren had this capacity to create a safe environment, and but it's not always so natural, and and, and it, that's when it needs to be developed and and, and modelled. And but practice is the key. It's practice. You can't develop the capacity to, to feedback to each other by just giving a presentation and getting the guys to sit in twos. It might take months. It might take a couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, I concur, and I'm I'm going to go back to feeling, but I'm. Um... I'm going to like pick up on you spoke about you, Sean Edwards and Gatland. And then I'm really intrigued because like, like that Wasps coaching group, like created amazing stuff. He's had amazing stuff with Wales and then actually struggled probably in a couple of different environments. And so the other thing I think is really important and I'm going to tie into the feeling is like coaching teams. So you'll go into an environment and you'll probably be thinking, right, how are they working together? What are their strengths? What do their different interactions look like? And I guess you, you might have been, you know, the glue in that team or someone else might have been. Or, But actually understanding yeah. that, I guess people are probably at different bus stops in just this conversation we're having. I feel comfortable because this would, like, speak to me what you're talking about. But for other people who might be more logical and might be a forwards coach, as an example, they might go, come on. So how do you... How do you see that? And I think it's interesting as well because, like, think of Razor. At, I think Razor would be someone who'd be classed in this. He's the head coach. Now, there be, might be other environments where some more of these skills are, are assistant coaches, and then you've got perhaps some more logical. Um, I'm just curious what you're thinking about when I say this stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I've, to be honest, um, I think I've always been a, le- a bit left field. I'm just a bit of a rebel, and... And I like to do things differently and I like to kind of not follow the rule books. I think I've always been a, been a rebel, but um, you're, you know, you're always going to get people that are more logical, are more feeling, and that's just a human nature. Um, but as a, as a, if, I'm a, if I'm a performance director or a head conditioner and I believe in something, I really believe in something, I have a, I have a responsibility to sell it. You know, I have to sell it. And in order to sell it, I have to understand people. But at the end of the day, if they don't agree with me, I've just got to respect them for that. You know, it's just it's just human nature. But, you know, selling an idea, selling our why is a huge component of, of, of being a coach. What is like what nudged you down this road? Was there like a, a specific moment where? Yeah. Um, I was working for Wales and um, I was head of physical performance for Wales and even before that I remember working at Leicester Tigers you know we had a phenomenal season if you remember we nearly won every single trophy Um, now but behind the scenes of this high performing coach that could connect and drive and strong in his beliefs and so on um i was i was really fucking curious about uh, spirituality but i never told anybody i never told anybody in fact i don't even know if i told this story i was living in leicester and kind of i was walking around the city one day and I, and I saw this Hare krishna center right and i could hear them singing i thought fucking hell is anybody, is anybody around? 
And I went in and, and I, used, I used to go every Sunday. I, I don't know, I was just intrigued by what they were talking about and, and, and you know, and, and, and why they were chanting and why they were meditating. And I just, I just became fascinated. And then again, I didn't tell anybody. I read about 20 books on Buddhism. And, and I remember being at Wasps. Um, Sean was significant, actually, Sean Edwards, because not a lot of people know this, but Sean is a deeply religious man and a deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual man and, 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 and is open to different traditions. And um, there would be times in London where I'd go on a Friday night to a Kabbalah um, celebration with Sean. I remember once we were sat down and Madonna was sat on one side and Gary Richie was sat on the other side. But I'd also go to the meditation centre in um, Holland Park. Um, but again, I, I didn't tell everybody about that, but I was, I was seeking something. I was seeking something more than this, this lad from Wigan that, that was decent as a coach and used to be a decent rugby league player. I was seeking something else. And it was an internal seeking. And I don't know where it came from. But And then um, when I was working at Wales... My, my ex-wife, Marta, she was really into yoga and I wasn't, I was really into my training then and, and I was very logical and linear in the way I moved and in the way I did things. And, um, and she begged me to go to Thailand on a yoga retreat with her and I did. And um, it was the hardest month of my life, but it was the most rewarding. You know, I, I was fascinated by the teachings. There's a lecture every night about the, the philosophy and the, the system of yoga and the mathematics of yoga is fucking unbelievable. I thought, wow, this is incredible. And then I started to embody what he was talking about. So my brain was fascinated by it. I grew up in my room and I created a report because that's the way I did it. Did things, I was a student. But through the practice, I began to embody the theory of it and think, fucking hell, maybe I am more, maybe I am more than this. Maybe I am connected to something greater than myself. What's all this joy coming out of my body? Where's that come from? What's all this anger? Why am I crying? Why, why am I? Why do I feel like time and space has disappeared? So a lot of things happened to me in that month, which freaked me out a little bit, but but propelled me into a a, a search for a deeper meaning. So I went back into Wales and I plonked myself on my desk and. At the time, I thought I was having a midlife crisis. It's not. It's the best thing that ever happened to me, right? as I said here now. But I thought it was a midlife crisis because my mates were no longer my mates. The conversation didn't interest me anymore. I thought, what the fuck am I doing helping players put a leather ball over a line? And nothing made sense to me anymore. But again, the only person that knew about that was my ex-wife because I used to go on and sometimes I'd cry in the evening time. I thought, fucking hell, why are you crying? What are you crying for? You've got a nice car, you're on 130 grand a year, you're a performance director for Wales, you've got a nice house near the beach. Um, and I knew from that day that there was something inside of me saying, you've got to go on a journey to find out more about yourself and open yourself up to more parts of yourself. But, I, but, I, but it was like, my ego was like, you can't leave this job. But I left six months before the World Cup and Warren was fucking, he let me go, but we've not had the same connection ever since, to be honest, me and Warren, probably because of that. Um, um, and I went living in Thailand and then my inner, inner journey which was moving from that drive that external search to an internal search and cut a long story short you know in the last 12 years man it's 
I've done so many yoga teacher training courses, meditation teacher training courses, therapy teacher training courses, life coaching teacher training courses, work with coaches, sat in complete darkness for 10 days, done nothing but drink water for 21 days, done a lot of silent meditation retreats where I don't speak for 10 days. Not because I'm mad, I just wanted to, to feel again and I wanted to, um, I just wanted to come this way and, and I also wanted to challenge myself. I like challenging myself. I like it when people say to me, are you fucking stupid? If you drink water for 21 days, you'll die. So I like doing it and saying, oh, I actually didn't die. Next time I'll do 49 days. <laughs> and I learn a lot about myself doing those things um, because when you do those things, your thoughts come up and ultimately happiness, contentment is about being okay with whatever comes up. I'm not saying everybody has to do what I do, Rusty. You know what I mean? There's, there's immense growth being a father with four kids. There's immense growth committing to a marriage. You know, there's growth in everything in life if we lean into our edge and we don't hide. So, but that's just the way I did it. You know, I'm, I'm not an only child, but my brother went in the army when I was eight. So I kind of, I like being on my own. Um, I've not got kids and, um, and I like to challenge myself because we need challenge to grow. Yeah, you triggered me on so many things. You actually made me think a bit about going to, uh, we used to go every year to the township in Kailicia. And like, it was probably the day that reminded me, like probably the purpose of sport and life more than any other day, just because of the, you go to this place and you think, wow, these kids have had terrible hardships, but like the joy on their faces and where they find joy and, 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 and sometimes you just need to keep reminding yourself of that because you'll go and you'll go, oh, right. Like, then a month later, you'll, have, you'll be back to being a, a busy fool. Um, I, mean, joy, I mean, joy is an interesting concept. I did a video on this the other day. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end of the day, you assess whether you are content and happy in your life by the way you feel, not yeah. by... Not by your goals, your missions, your car, your trophies, winning a World Cup. You don't. You assess the quality of life by the way you feel. It's, it's an inside job. It's a, it's a feeling. It's not a logical thing. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that some people don't, but I definitely would. Um, the other thing you triggered me on was singing. Like, I've coached some teams in recent years where the singing's been like, it's interesting. I spoke to uh, Tom, who's the analyst with uh, New Zealand Sevens, and I said, what's the best thing about New Zealand Sevens? Bear in mind, they've won the World Series. They've, you know, blah, blah, blah. He went, the singing. Yeah. It's like, said no one ever in the premiership. Um, and I guess it's, there's probably some different cultural and some traditions and stuff, but I remember, like, there's, there's a lot of science around singing, releases lots of pain-killing hormones and it's really helpful for connecting and actually there would be huge benefit to singing but again it, it, it's like you know, when you said oh, I got into yoga but I was too scared to tell everyone yeah of course I was but I'm not now I mean singing you just what is singing it's breath work yeah you know what I mean a lot of teams are moving into breath work now they don't know what the fucking doing half of them but a lot of them are exploring it and, and, and because it's a tick box but again if someone's in the organization that has embodied that, breathwork can be a fascinating tool within the organization to, to develop mentally, but also physically and endurance-wise. Um, but singing is just breathwork, mate. You, you inhale, you, you let out with a long exhalation. 
it, it's it's an it's it's an expression. It's an empathic expression to release. Singing's phenomenal. Um, I, I mean, listening to the Fiji team sing after World Cup, fucking hell, it brought a tear to my eyes. Yeah, after, incredible. After a, tra- after a training session, sorry, it just it's 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 immense. Yeah, mate. And, and it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that the origins of sport in the Olympic Games in Athens was simply the creation of an expression that, that was a divine expression. So sport was created as, as, as a way to express the gifts that you've been given from whatever it is you, you believe in. You know, there was no contracts then. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of, of the way our body moves and it, it, it's, it's deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual or whatever word you want to call it. I'm just imagining you trying to make Julian White sing at this moment in time. Um, I could make Whitey sing, definitely. <laughs> I, just, I just gave him five stellars. <laughs> um, I'm going to do a couple of one-worders, but before that, and I'm really curious about them, what, um, where can people find you if they want to like reach out? Yeah, they can find me on craigwhitementoring.com. Uh, they can find me on Instagram, craigwhitementoring, but I don't post a lot. Um, yeah, mate. I, I was going to say, you're too old for Instagram. Most of my efforts now is building my Memory That Masks brand. And, um, so Memory That Masks is on Instagram. We've got a YouTube channel called Men Without Masks and um, you'll find me on LinkedIn and you also find Men Without Masks on LinkedIn as well and menwithoutmasks.com and craigwhitementoring.com. Mate, you got a lot of websites. Yeah, too many. <laughs> Mate, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to, like, I've got a few one-worders. I'm just curious as to what you would say. So, uh, uh, Warren Gatland. Big-hearted man who is shy but not afraid to show his emotion nice that was more than one word but i enjoyed it uh, ah. sean edwards legend uh wasps memories lester grunt lions Shit. <laughs> a couple of, I've heard a couple of people say that. Uh, uh, yoga. Life-changing. Rugby. Expression. Coaching. Love. Beautiful. Well, what a great circle we've just finished. We started with love... And we ended with it. I like those wrong words, mate. Good idea, that. Yeah, mate. You, at one point, I thought you were frozen, but you were just, like, thinking deeply about them. I was feeling into my body for the answer. <laughs> nice. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Stay safe. And uh, it's definitely been way too long. We should uh, catch up soon. We should catch up. I agree. Let's do it. Ledge. Cheers, pal. See you, mate.